This is a Bulldog Radio podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the MVSP with myself, Joe Nagy, and Brandon Worth. We just want to say we're sorry. It's been a little bit since we've been on the air, but we're back, and we got a pretty big show for you today, especially just with the full slate that we have. So, Brandon, I'd say let's get into it. Absolutely. Um, first, talking about, um, we haven't talked about Ferris as much, obviously, with COVID. Um, has kind of shut things down, dampered them off for the rest of the year. Uh, we still have a little bit of hockey, which we're going to mention that on Wednesday with uh, an interview you guys are going to really enjoy. But um, talking about basketball a little bit, they're, they're not starting quite yet, but we wanted to give you guys kind of an insight of what we're looking at this year as far as the Bulldog basketball team. Um, last year, I mean, everybody that followed the team last year knows that the result the final result that ended up being their last game was something that nobody expected and nobody believes that 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 the team should have went out in that game. We no. were much better than Northern Michigan. We beat them twice in or for earlier, lose to them in the early it round was, of GLIAX. Especially, what was it, by a point or two or yep, something? Yeah, it was by one that point. That was such a tough game to watch, especially just seeing kind of how hyped up we were for that game and just kind of just see how sloppy we played too. That was just something that, was so uncharacteristic, and you could tell Broncomo was really angry about that because, I mean, on the sideline, he was getting really emotional. He always does, but, I mean, just then he was just kind of just getting frustrated too because the refs kind of weren't the greatest either. They were kind of – because I remember when – I don't know. Were you at that game, Brandon? I I was not, unfortunately, but I had, I was following the game, and it just seemed like we were kind of losing – we were losing momentum. We got it back, kind of lost again back, and then just in the end, it yeah. was – it, it was definitely like short. each team went on a run, and then Northern's just la- Northern's just had it where they on the run were their their run was just in the fourth quarter late. So then they ended up taking the lead, which was really tough. But I mean, this year men's basketball they're going to be eleven in the preseason. I think that's the highest of all the GLIAC teams right now, mm-hmm. and we're number one in the Midwest region. So really promising, especially kind of with the guys that we lost last year with Cole Walker and Greg Williams. That's going to be. I mean, that's super promising, and it's pretty reassuring, too, especially since we have a lot of guys. If you didn't hear the Walt Kelzer interview on uh, Mike's and Takes, he's pretty excited. And I know a lot of guys are going to be looking for redemption from last year, too. So Yeah, I mean, Walt, Walt really was one of the, the electric players on this Bulldog basketball squad. He was absolutely fantastic. He really, he really helped us out, especially um, near, the, near the end of the year when there were some, there were some games that – Really, it was just kind of struggling to get going. Um, one that I remember vividly with you, Joe, was Northwood when we went to watch him. And mm-hmm. that game, they were pretty stagnant at some points. And then um, they had that other kid that was shooting the lights out, and Walt was matching him. And that really kept us in the ball game. Mm-hmm. That, end, that ended up getting us the W, so it was fortunate for us. But um, it was just a really, it was a really weird year overall. I mean... We we saw them doing so well at some points in the season, and then there were just points where we just we just dropped off. It yeah, it just like. fizzled out it, a little it, bit. It was a little, and obviously that's that's basketball. Those things happen. You're going to go on runs. You're going to go on these kind of um, these these little short streaks. They they happen. So, um, crap. Hang on, I messed up. We no actually, worries. We lost.
at the end of the year. I mean, we, I know vividly we we watched the the Northwood game. That mm-hmm. one, that game was unfortunate. We ended up coming on the losing end of that game. Um, they had they had a guy on there, uh, number eleven. I forgot his name off the top of my head. I know yeah, we, we he scored like thirty. Yeah, points. he had like thirty four. He points went on a run game. too, and that that was uncharacteristic too because we looked up his stats during halftime or something like that. And he scored like 11, 10 points, like at the most. He was like averaging maybe double digits. So. Yes, and it was Jack Ammerman is the guy. Where t- he had yeah, thir- that's he had who it 32 was. points. And then Walt, he had 29 in that game. He was pretty much trying to match Ammerman that entire game. And it was just the, it was, it was really hard to comprehend. But I mean, Northwood, they were doing a great job. Mm-hmm. Um, they were just finding those, those little spots going on runs, being able to shoot the ball. Just a little bit better. I mean, they they had they took advantage of a lot of opportunities that presented themselves because we 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 overall didn't shoot the ball very well. They took advantage of that and they went winning the game by six. That's basketball. So th- those type of games, really. I mean, if you look at it that way, that's pretty similar to what nor what north or northern was um, at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. It was it was just a game where th- we didn't play as well as we normally did, and we yeah. didn't win the game. And obviously, with our potential. I really believe that we would have made it to at least the final, if not taken the GLIAC and going pretty high seed in the yeah. Midwest well, we region. Were the, we were the regular season champions for uh, the GLIAC. So sure, yeah. You can definitely tell that we had a lot of hype behind us. And then just, you know, that's just the way the the cards the cards are dealt, really, when we just lose that first round game because that playoffs are a different playoffs are a different breed. It doesn't matter if a team could be the last in the league. They could come in shooting, they could come in playing, and they could really just caused some upsets and I think Northern just thought like hey this is our chance to really shock the world and I mean they did they came into Big Rapids they came into Wink Arena and did what a lot of people didn't think they'd be able to do so yeah I mean we still finished the season 27 and 6 that's nothing to sleaze at I mean we we, think that's what Broncom was like 6th or 7th 20 win season Mm -hmm, yeah over over 20 win season that he's been here or something like that yeah so he's been fantastic incredible yeah, I mean, the man really, he really knows how to he get his players to buy in. He knows how to, to coach in. basketball. Very well. He knows how to coach very well. <laughs> he knows how to coach, yeah, he knows how to coach these guys very <laughs> well too. But uh, the Ferris basketball schedule did come out a couple, uh, I think a week or two ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, shorter schedule, no preseason games that are going to be against like kind of uh, teams from out of state or anything like that. So mainly just GLIAC only for uh, the schedule so far. Um I'm kind of liking the schedule, uh, especially since I mean, men's men's basketball and women's basketball—they're not going to be to, uh, they're going to be flip flopped. I guess you could say like that one's going to be away and one's going to be home rather than them traveling together. I think that's mainly to kind of cut down on the spread of the, hopefully cut down on the spread of the virus. But mm-hmm. I'm going to start off with Ashland on January 7th, and then Wisconsin Parkside, Northern Michigan, uh, LSSU, Michigan Tech, Grand Valley, Saginaw Valley, LSSU again. Uh, Wisconsin Parkside, right? Is the Lions or whatever, or the oh, that, that is like the Pride. That's Purdue Northwest. Purdue Northwest. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. And then it's Wayne State. So, I'm. It sounds like wins. That's what I'm hearing from the schedule. Wins. So, yeah. Sounds like W's. Yeah. I mean, I obviously Grand Valley is going to be probably the toughest game on that schedule. One, it's a rivalry. Two, Grand Valley second in the GLIAC last year, only behind us. So yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, we just want to make sure we pointed that out. But I, I that's probably going to be our... Anchor down, you know yeah, what I mean? It's probably going to be that closest game, I think, on our schedule looking at it. I mean, there's some other sleeper teams yeah. in there, too. I, I mean, mean, Michigan Tech, too. Michigan Tech, Michigan won, Tech the, won the, the GLIAC yeah. last year. They're going to be playing pretty well. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, got to watch out for Northern Michigan because I think they have a couple guys. I know a hefty amount of guys returning. So Yeah, and... 
they got us once. So they they yeah. they figured out how to beat us, which mm-hmm. a lot of teams didn't do in the yeah. season. So, but I mean, looking at a lot of the Walt is coming back. We got so many pieces coming back. I mean, we we did unfortunately lose Greg Williams and Cole um, Walker. Mm-hmm. Unfortunate, but. I mean, we have we have so many guys. It's it is still looking upward. We have I mean, guys that are ready to step up. So. Sure. I mean, you still have Wall. You still have Dorian. I mean, Ben Davidson Logan played a lot Ryan. of minutes on the bench last year. He could be up for a big role. There, there's a lot of other guys. We heard a lot about um, uh, Vajus Grizulius from Isaac when he was on the show, who is a part of the basketball team. He really has some high hopes for him. He's a sophomore mm-hmm. out of Marquette. So a lot of things. And then obviously the veteran Michael Peterson, who really can bring a lot to the table. So mm-hmm. this team, I mean, we're not there's no there's no rebuild, there's no steps back here. We're we're pretty much just fill and go at this point. We have every a lot of guys back, a lot of the same ideas around the team are going around. So it's gonna be it's gonna be really exciting. I mean, and even the women's team as well. I mean, they're they're on a pretty much kind of a similar schedule. Obviously with the COVID, it's kind of a little bit different. But I mean, they're still mm-hmm. returning a lot. Adrian Anderson is coming back. Um, Zoe Anderson's coming back. Um, there's there's a lot a lot to look forward to. Mallory McCartney, I know we talked about a lot. She played really well last year as a freshman. Um, there's there's a lot a lot of potential this year for basketball. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, the women's and the men's teams. Obviously, with the schedules coming out, they're really really excited, and we are too because of course we want to see sports back. Yes, yeah, we want we, we want get... them. Of course, we want them safely and conducted in the right way but, but everyone's sports missing back. sports yeah definitely we, so it'll be really exciting but moving on now to the the upper level of college basketball which has already begun pretty exciting um some big 10 basketball of course has returned of course our beloved michigan wolverines have stepped back on the floor um we got the win last night boy it, it sure wasn't pretty but we still got the w beating oakland nope. 81 71 <laughs> um yeah it was but the key word that you said we got it done. We that's got it. the win. Ugly W better than a than a pretty loss. So, I mean that's true. I mean unless you're playing like, I get. I mean unless yeah, you're playing like a top number one team or something. But happens. Anyway, that's debatable. Happens. But, happens. Yeah. I mean, looking back at that game, we didn't play well. I I mean, no. well, I shouldn't say we played good. Isaiah Livers played well. Yeah, I mean, he that's did play well. Thing. He had twenty two. He was eight of twelve. He was. He's really kind of a, a piece, and I mean, he was a piece to the puzzle that really kind of helped us solve it by the end of the game to help us get the win, especially in overtime. Uh, the high-low really worked. Hunter Dickinson, he he was pretty much a man, mm-hmm. man among boys in in the paint against Oakland. points. <laughs> yeah, he he pretty much took over the OT period, him and Livers. But the the crazy thing was um, when you were watching this game is um, going back to Livers at half or it was before halftime. They're they're currently trailing by four points, and there was like a visualized heated argument between Livers and Jawan Howard on the sideline, and a lot of people were saying, "What's going on?" And they were worried about, "Oh, something, something said something wrong." Which Isaiah Livers cleared it up all. I don't know if it was last night or this morning. He's saying mm-hmm. that he was trying to get us get us amped up and go, and that sometimes requires button heads, and he knows how to get me ready to go and me into the game to further myself as far as how he was playing. Basically, basically just trying to get him fired up. He was getting under his skin to get those guys to get playing better, which is, I mean, what you need really. Yeah. I mean, a lot of teams need that. And I know there was a lot of comments like, wait, why doesn't Jim Harbaugh do that? So, 
I mean, I'm not going to say anything about that matter, but I mean, some, he, he did what he needed to do to get his guys ready to go. And obviously they didn't play well. 20 turnovers. Yuck. That's not great. 20 fouls. Ugh, that's not great. But when you still end up getting the win, didn't shoot that well from the free throw line. You didn't shoot that well from three. We only shot 29%. I mean, Oakland shot worse than us outside of the free throw line. They shot mm-hmm. worse worse than us. And that's really what kind of held them in this game was the free throws they were really good mm-hmm. at. Yeah, 21 um, for 25 is pretty solid. Yeah. I mean, you take away those things right there. We out-rebounded them, out-assist. We protected the paint a lot better. I mean, you take away those those little things, the shots, the turnovers, those mm-hmm. things happen. I mean, we're, we're in pretty good shape. I mean, the way we played against Bowling Green, kind of similar, but by the second half, we kind of ran away with it and scored like, over 50 in the second half, so we yeah. figured it out. So I'm not worried. I mean, this game, obviously, no. every, everybody's still trying. They're still trying to figure out their identity. I think that's a lot of uh, the college teams that we've already seen. Yeah. Two big teams go down. Richmond beat um, Kentucky last night in an upset, and then we also saw, um, excuse me, um, we saw like the, I mean, Texas Tech was supposed to be a top 10 team. They just lost to Houston mm-hmm. last night with Matt McClung. So it's kind of a, a weird, it, it's a weird dynamic I, for this I season. Think, I think it's mainly because they haven't, they didn't get the March Madness tournament. You know, they mm-hmm. got a cut in February. They got uh, the season basically cut off in February and they've been sitting basically just only practicing. And for like the longest time, they couldn't even practice together. They've just been on their own just playing and kind of waiting to see what was going to happen for like the last, what was it, six, seven, not seven months, like five, six months, so that now that they get the chance, it's like, well, I mean, they just got pushed into being able to practice together. They haven't had that kind of camaraderie that they were able to have all summer, probably with just kind of camps and stuff like that, especially since COVID was on basically lockdown. And I know for Michigan, I know Michigan's lockdown was pretty severe, so they're probably, and Mm -hmm. I mean, Oakland's in Michigan too, so you can definitely tell that they're kind of trying to figure out, you know, how to play as a team right now because I don't know if the team chemistry is as good as it was as last year or anything like that, especially for other teams too. So I think right now they're probably just trying to feel each other, feel how they play again because, I mean, it's been a long time and they've only played two games and it's early in the season. They haven't been able to have a preseason at all. So it's definitely just something where they're just trying to get their bearings a little bit before, you know, the meat of the season starts and conference play starts up. So Yeah, and I mean, some teams have really adjusted to the bubble a lot better than others. I mean, Virginia Tech, for example, really w- – were viewed very low in coming into the season. They're unranked, and then they come in and beat Villanova on the road. What? That, that was, yeah, exactly. What? I mean, they adjusted really well compared to Villanova, who's still trying to fit. They they didn't they had they're not they're not themselves right now, and they really haven't been for the last couple of years. And they're mm-hmm. always ranked high. I mean, Duke. Ever since their national championship, they haven't really been super. Even before that, they were kind of like on and off, and then they kind of had had all the he's in the right spot so that yeah they they rely i think a, a lot of it they rely a lot on um shooting so i think those times those types of games when you're on and off can be a lot differently which is fine because they shoot the ball really well i mean they're one of the top shooting teams but sometimes when you have a bad night it happens to be against those unranked teams and then it makes you look worse so mm-hmm. it's it's just kind of how 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 the chips fall i guess you can say but i mean when you look at teams like Michigan State as well that are really pounding through their their opening schedule, I mean they beat Notre Dame um, two or yes or two days ago on the twenty eighth. Um, they they played really well. I mean a lot of people talking a lot about um, Foster Lawyer and especially in the first game when he went off against the zone a little. He didn't mm-hmm. shoot as much last night, which was a little bit more expected. But 
I mean, they're they're looking pretty good. I mean, as Michigan fans, we have to we have to admit that they're looking pretty good right mm-hmm. now. I mean, they got a lot of guys. You because well, I mean, when losing Cassius, losing um, Tillman, you kind of expect a little bit of drop off McQuaid as well. But I mean, really, this team really hasn't lost a whole lot. I mean, Lawyer stepping into his spot. Um, Bingham is playing pretty well off the bench. You got um, uh, Brown as well hall these mm-hmm. a lot of these guys that uh aaron henry as well and then there's kithier too that's supposed to have a lot of promise and then joshua langford obviously is back finally i'm very i'm very happy for him because what he's went through he needs to be on the basketball court so i mean michigan state's playing really well i mean they're two and oh rank 13th yeah. izzo's got his guys we, right where what's he wants big them. what's big 10 right now like seven in the top 25 right now they, i think we're the most competitive i think we're the best the, big, the the best like standings wise conference in the in the nation at at the moment. But, oh yeah, I mean, I know I was five. Michigan State's like what thirteen or something like that, and then Ohio State, Rutgers, and Michigan close out the twenty three, twenty four, twenty five. I just don't know who else is in the top twenty five. Yeah, though. so if we so if we look at the rankings as of now, this is as of ten thirty one a.m. here on the thirtieth. <laughs> um, and just want to make sure hey, it, it could change over the yeah, next couple could, of hours. Could, you don't know, so. Uh, Iowa's ranked fifth right now. Wisconsin is ranked seventh. A little high for them right now, but I'm not going to complain. We'll see what happens. Um, Illinois has played really well. They're in eighth right now. We talked about Michigan State at 13. Uh, Then we also have Ohio State, 23, Rutgers, 24, and our beloved Michigan Wolverines are staying at 25 as of now. So it's kind of a a weird, I want to say it's like a weird list. Because, I mean, like, Gonzaga and Baylor definitely should be in the top two because they're yeah. by far. I mean, Virginia. They're by far the best at the moment. Yeah, Villanova and Virginia. Probably going to fall over the next couple of days. Kansas Villano- is Yeah, lost especially too. with Villanova's loss to, was it, Virginia Tech. They're probably going to drop probably at least three or four spots. Yeah, I mean, uh, Kansas is, they're still Kansas, six right I could now. See, I could see them moving up with a win, especially since they're going to be versus Kentucky next. Yeah, and a lot of people if, are like. If they get a win that. They'll definitely go probably up a spot or maybe over Iowa because I was only playing like Western Illinois or something like that. Yeah, and I mean a lot of people are like, wait, they're one and one. There's two and zero teams behind. Them. For granted, this they played and they only lost by single digits to Gonzaga. So though that loss yeah. it was a quality. You could you don't want to say quality loss, but really, I mean it's not. You're it's that's not a, a Villanova where you lose yeah. to Virginia Tech on at home. That's not the same scenario. So I'm gonna be. I'm definitely gonna be excited to see because Gonzaga's next game is actually versus Baylor. So mm-hmm. it's gonna be a one versus two situation. Exactly. This early on the season and could prove pretty bad for whoever loses, especially if they lose by you know ten eleven or double digits, single digits. That's gonna be a big thing. But I don't think whoever loses will move down too much. But you definitely, you definitely feel for the team that loses against those really tough games at the start because that could really prove to be a bad situation, especially if that kind of creates a downward spiral that they go into. But I mean, to go back to the Big Ten, I mean, I'm surprised to see. I mean, Wisconsin that high. I mean, you said they were probably a little bit too high for kind of what they've been playing, and time will tell, especially since they're playing Green Bay for their next game. So yeah. they'll probably stick in the same spot, especially kind of seeing the competition Green Bay brings forth. And Illinois, I'm excited to see what they do, but they play Baylor next. So it's definitely going to be – I don't know if they'll be in the top 10 for long by any means, but who knows. Finding a line, I think could do something that shocks the world. So Yeah, I mean, there's there's some other teams, of course, like – I mean, the Big Ten is really the most the most dominant conference as of now as the team that or the conference that holds the most teams as far yeah, as if you go off of that kind of situation. Yeah, it, it is. But there's, I mean, obviously the ACC has been known for high quality yeah, basketball. That's a, bad, that's a basketball. 
Yeah, so, definitely a basketball conference. Yeah, so they're they're going to be loaded in there too. I mean, there's some other teams on the outside that have really played good basketball. Creighton, for example. I mean, they they just won their first game against North Dakota State. They're looking. They were looking really promising coming into the season. And I mean, they they won against North, and they didn't play very well. I mean, they shot eight of thirty five from three. Yeah, that's not great. Mm. But when you still beat a team by double digits and you don't play well, that should be a little bit of a promising sign that you still you're still good enough to play to a really high level so they're I don't think they're they're worried they're mm-hmm. 11th right now so right in there with Michigan State and then Texas Tech as well we talk about Mac McClung going transferring there from Georgetown so he's kind of changing that a little bit too and I mean the coaches poll looks a little bit different I'm I'm noticing like there's some teams like Texas and Alabama are on there UCLA that aren't really aren't that aren't on the AP one so it's kind of uh a weird like it's kind of interesting that some or at least some of them are yeah like alabama's the, not to, on yeah the, to see the opinions of like the coaches so, uh, so far like yeah early this season and how it's definitely going to change especially kind of these teams that are lower probably in the 20s so far because i don't know oregon hasn't even played a game florida state hasn't even played a game and they're mm-hmm. 20 and 21 at the moment but right so, so. it's it's definitely going to be a situation that it's sub subject to change probably in the, probably the next like day or two most likely, and we're definitely going to see it fluctuating, um, especially the teams that are on the outside of the 25 that are trying to fight their spot in because this early in the season, one loss can really throw off your ranking, and that could put you down a couple spots. So Yeah, sure, and like some of the games um, today at noon, Texas is going to take on Steph Curry's Davidson Wildcats, so that'll be a, a interesting game. Um, did you know? Did you see that they now have the have Steph's um, signature logo on their jerseys now instead of the Under Armour? Oh, they I do. Yeah, he probably like made it so that they're sponsored by Under Armour mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah, or, so like, got them like a really yeah. They're basically pulling. Uh, so basically, yeah, it's pretty much a, a Jordan esque move instead of Nike to go to mm. Jordan. They went Under Armour to Steph. So that's that's kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, that, it's, is, that is really cool. To he see, really actually. put that university that, on his, the map. Yeah, to see his alma mater kind of. Pay respect to him and him pay respect to them by kind of helping them out with a brand deal. So that's cool. Yeah, but for sure. Other yeah. game, I mean, another game that I saw today, North Carolina versus UNLV, mm-hmm. that could be pretty well. I don't know how good UNLV is this year, but. Yeah. I mean, they've always had a, a, a pretty good program. I mean, you date back to a long time ago. I mean, they they were basically the fab. The Fab Five, the running rebels, the running rebels that were just pulling from three Mm -hmm. when they were on a fast break. The ones that, I mean, really, that's a that's a classic matchup right there. I mean, you date back for a long time, Christian Leitner against UNLV. I mean, that's 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 in the history books right there. So that that matchup has a lot of historical significance. So really, that could be a lot closer game than people realize. But then Long Beach State um, takes on UCLA in a California Coast battle. So should be interesting. Um, I don't. I don't see Long Beach pulling off the upset, but UCLA's already lost this year, so who, who knows? Um, but moving on now over to the professional level, talking about the NBA a little bit. Starting up soon, training camp is of, um, officially starting today, tomorrow, one of the two. Uh, can't remember. It, I think it varies on the team. Like yeah, it yeah. does in NFL, but um, there's, been, there's been some moves made over the past couple of days that um, haven't been covered. I mean, like, Glenn Robinson, the third former Wolverine, he's going to the Kings alongside Hassan Whiteside, who is Kings decided, making moves. So, Kings making moves. Yeah, the Kings kind of working behind the scenes here and trying to get together a team, trying to get people to compliment De'Aaron Fox for once instead of him just being like the only guy in the team who can do something. Mm-hmm. And on one one team that I think has really been sneaky building over the past couple weeks has been Atlanta. I mean, you look at the squad they have now. 
they just matched and took um, Boban's deal with um, the Kings, and now he's going to be in Atlanta after the botched trade uh, or botched trade attempt, I should say, <laughs> to the Milwaukee Bucks. So now they have Trey Young, John Collins, Bogdan. Um, then you you have um, Onyeka, who they just drafted. I mean, that team looks really good. And They're you looking got a- promising, especially with how good Trey Young was. And, I mean, Cam Reddish has been so-so, uh, but I feel like he's actually – I feel like now, especially since when they drafted him, I feel like he had a lot of pressure of being the compliment to Trey Young, especially since Vince Carter was kind of going out and he was kind of the teacher of that team. And then now that he's out. But now that they got, I mean, Onyeka Okongwu, I always say his name, Onyeka Okongwu mm-hmm. at the center spot. That's going to probably be a really good situation for them, especially now that they're going to end. I mean, Bogdan, too. Uh, it, I feel like they're just putting the pieces together, and I think this is the right fit for their puzzle that they're trying to figure out. And, you know, they could be scary, especially for how well um, they did play. Uh, they didn't really get the job done too as, as much as they wanted to, but I think with the pieces in a couple years that they have right now, they're going to be a scary scary team in the East. Yeah, and I they have Clint Capella as well that I completely forgot, forgot about. Yeah, I forgot about Clint Capella, Because, I mean, too. that move was made seems like ages ago. Um, but, I mean, can you bring in guys like uh, Daniel Gallinari from the Thunder, Rajon Rondo as well from the Lakers. What? Um, yep. And then Tony Snell, of course, in our deal that ended up landing us with um, Dwayne Dudman. And he's he will not be staying with the team by what I've been hearing. So, um, it looks like I think he's going to get stretched and waved. But we'll, we'll have to see how that goes out. But, I mean, then they have – got a young guys too, DeAndre Hunter, Kevin Herter, Cam Reddish. I mean that team looks really promising, and you got a lot of pieces Definitely. around that can fit the puzzle. I think this team should be looking upward. I mean they could be looking at playoffs. I mean they, obviously the East not as developed as the West, whatever. So I mean they still have they still have a really good shot. So I I'm really excited to see what the Atlanta Hawks can bring because I mean we haven't seen the Atlanta Hawks have a lot of success. And I mean you look at the Falcons, you've looked at the Braves. I mean the Braves are looking pretty good now. They're on their way up. It's just now with after, of course, the 28 to 3, everyone knows what happened to the Falcons. They've now not <laughs> been the same. And it seems like they're depleted all their energy onto the Hawks, too. And I don't yeah, want to see that. I want to see the Hawks do that. Atlanta sports are kind of hurting at the moment. So I think this could be a really good upside for them, especially with, I mean, how, how promising they have been lately. Now the piece that they're putting together. So, yeah, for sure. Pretty I, exciting. For sure. And I mean, the Thunder now have about 20,000 first-round picks over the next 10 20. years. So um, not yeah. that many. I believe well, it's... There, I, was like a, there was like a um, like a graphic that showed just like how far of first-round picks... Doesn't it go to like 2026 or something mm-hmm. like that? They have, two, they have two or three first-round picks for the next six years. Oh, my gosh. Rebuild? I think yes. <laughs> I, I mean, think that's that a they, clear sign. Dude, they can do so much with that. They Okay, for one, they can get draft picks, clearly... But how many big superstars they can land with that many first round picks is just Ooh, insane. Interesting. So they could um, land so. Oh my gosh. Yeah, there's been I'm not even an OKC fan, but that gets me excited for them. Yeah, I mean, um, the yeah, there's a lot of exciting moves that have been going on. Um, uh, apparently this morning Nicholas Batum signed with the Clippers. That's kind of nobody. I don't think a lot of people kind of realize what Nicholas Batum brings. I think a lot of people. I mean, he's not a starter. He's but he's a guy that can fill it off the bench a, mm-hmm. a couple of times. He kind of I don't he doesn't necessarily remind me a little bit of like a Gallinari, but kind of I don't know. 
Like the the aura he kind of brings is he can fill it one night and he, or he can always be a pretty solid player that can get the job done, whatever he needs to do. Kind of like what Wayne Ellington really is for us now for the Pistons that we've signed him back. So, but I mean, a lot of different rumors have been going around. Um, the Cavs finally said why they didn't draft Obi Toppin after every single mock draft said they were going to draft him. They weren't sold on his defense, so... Apparently, they wanted defense, which they got Okoro. That makes sense. So, I guess they I really mean, like They got defense. Colin Sexton, Sexton, who's like pretty good defender, yeah. too. So, I I guess so, but I don't know. I feel like they're going to be in – I think they're going to have a rebuild for a lot more years to come because I don't think LeBron's ever coming back. Let me tell you what. Yeah, for sure. And uh, a Giannis report, we haven't talked about this in a long time, the rumor of him going to Miami – People close to Giannis, this is reported by Bleacher Report, say that that the signing of Drew is being relayed as a good signal for bringing back Giannis. Apparently, Giannis is Milwaukee. Sounds like he's happy. He took a video, I believe it was, in Instagram or Twitter that he was flying back to Milwaukee. If that's to sign, I don't know. To pack his bags, I don't know. But he's going back to Milwaukee after spending some time outside of Wisconsin. So. This could be it. Could be coming in the next couple of days. When I'm saying so, really mm-hmm. stay tuned for that because that could pull be... a Kevin Durant move if he goes on to Miami. Yeah, it would be kind of. <laughs> yeah. I mean, would, I don't think it. I don't think it's that bad because it's not yeah. a super team, and like you can that. I think this is a discussion for another time. It's going to be. With the Kevin it's going to be labeled as a similar topic, move, but people are going to be like, "Oh, like you got knocked out by these," or like they're the people who went to the finals or whatever, and like you're going to go with them. I was like. They're not a super team, though. I mean, they don't have, like, that many guys. They're more of just, like, a fit the right pieces together, and now that they're actually working, they're gelling, and they got team. They have team chemistry over kind of, like, the superstars and stuff sure. like that. So I think it's a little bit different, but people will still say that nonetheless. It's going to be labeled the same because, because going to a team, they knock you out. Same thing as KD. Yeah, because of that. So that's yeah. a, we can have that as a topic for another time. But for sure. I don't know. Yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see. It, I mean, because Milwaukee, I'd like, to, I'd love for him to stay in Milwaukee, and then it's just they need to build around him. Yeah. If they don't build around him, they're gonna lose him it's, because they're not showing that they're crazy. fully committed to him. It's crazy to just see like how not many players are gonna be like a one franchise team anymore, which is kind of sad to see because I think the la- the last one that I think we'll see that was like as much of an impact is probably Dirk because Dirk stayed with the Mavs. Yeah, Dallas. I for some reason I thought it was the Magic, but it wasn't. No, no, he no, stayed Mavericks. with it. He stayed with the Mavericks. He's been a guy who just was with that organization, loved it in Dallas, and I mean the organization repaid him for it. And I think a lot of guys that want to stay with one organization, they probably don't show that interest that probably Dirk showed. So I think that's the, one of the main reasons why, like, oh, you're not treating me right, so I'm just gonna go to a different team. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's kind of sad to see, especially since. You know, I love seeing those guys who are rewarded by their organization and love to stay with one team throughout their whole career. But it's just, will we ever see that again? Because I don't think that a lot of guys are as valued as they are. And I think it's more of the NBA, especially for organizations and kind of like the head, uh, the head people that are in charge of the organizations are more thinking, well, you know, it's more of a trade. It's more of a trading business now rather than kind of uh, pick your guy and just stay with him. So I'm kind of... Like I said, 
Wish it happens that a guy stays with this organization, but I think that era of the NBA is long gone. Yeah, and I mean, even going back a little ways, I remember specifically when they were talking about Steph becoming a free agent, that there was a lot of rumors he's going to go back home to Charlotte. And that was going to be a really, uh, that would have been a blockbuster move. But obviously, he stayed with Golden State. They rewarded him, and they got him. Kevin Durant I think it's a possi- crying out loud yeah. to win you a championship. I think it's a possibility that he could maybe be the last one that's going to be a franchise player, but who knows? Maybe in his later part of his career, he could be like, well, Rock? I want to get one more. Killian Hayes, Seiku? Who knows? Dynamic <laughs> duo for 20 years plus? No. <laughs> who knows? Uh, who knows? But I mean, it. yeah, you're right. I mean, there's been a... there. The NBA free agency has changed so much because you, normally there's guys that you would say, last year, Kawhi wins a championship Toronto. There's no way on earth he's leaving, and now he's a, he's a Los Angeles Clipper a year later. So that it, it it anything's possible, really. I mean, a lot of these guys are moving, but it is good to see that there's some guys that are. It's kind of like when players get the max, for example, like Brandon Ingram signed the max this offseason. Darren Fox did with the Kings. Donovan Mitchell did with the Jazz, and then um, Bam Adebayo also did recently with the Miami Heat. So it's kind of. Because max deals kind of just seem like they're not necessarily, yeah, we're going to take you for five years. It's, hey, we're paying you the money that we're committed for you to staying here as long as you want. Basically kind of what it sounds like to mm-hmm. me. But, I mean, because that's just kind of the way things have changing. I mean, play or it seems like a lot of players want to play with guys that they've dreamed playing with or or those type of things rather than it's it's almost more like, it seems like with a lot of these moves, like Kawhi, for example, I mean, he wanted to go home with L, to go home to L.A., but he chose the Clippers over the Lakers because he wanted to play with Paul George over LeBron, and that's kind of the reason that move was made because a lot of people were like, "Yeah, Lakers, it's gonna happen" because they want to compete with Golden State, and then they end up going to the Clippers, which I I honestly love that more. I mean, I would have liked him stayed in Toronto, have him have the success there, especially for how well that team was coached. And I mean, look at last year, and they make it to the playoffs with Nick Nurse without Kawhi, and you got Pascal Siakam balling along with Kyle Lowry mm-hmm. that makes you there. And then Fred Van Vliet signed the biggest contract ever by an undrafted guy. So that's guy I really wish Detroit would have gotten. But Fred Van Vliet, yeah. It is he, what it he is. He could have proved to be a really good player. It would have been. It is what I think it he is. found his niche in Toronto too. So yeah, I think, I think people love Heinz, him there. Yeah, people say like, oh, like we could have had that, but you never know with kind of like the organization and how it would have handled if you would have liked it or not. So Yeah, sure. But then there's other ones that you don't see coming, like Steven Adams going to the Pelicans. What? But it kind of, I mean, it kind of makes sense. They really haven't had as much success at the big man as far as long term. I mean, Cousins gone, Davis gone. Um, who was there last year? Uh, Randall was there for a little bit. He's gone. So, um, which ironically, Demarcus Cousins going to Houston now. Kind of interesting. I feel like Demarcus Cousins is just chasing the hottest team. That's really kind of what it seems DeMarcus like. Cousins goes from the Warriors like, to the Lakers to the Rockets. I mean, he's basically like, yeah, I'll just I play mean, for the contenders getting, for a yeah, vet he's, he's getting rings, so I mean, it makes sense. But I mean, it's. He's injured all the time, so he's never going to get any playing time. But you know, I don't know. DeMarcus Cousins feels like he's just ring chasing at this. Well, he is ring chasing. He's just like, oh, like I like these guys because they could win me a ring. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of you. Kind of wish it was kind of like, yeah, I want to be. You understand that they're ring chasing, feel, yeah. but it's like, oh, and I feel you, like you can get more money to go to a less less popular team and help build them up. But 
Demarcus yeah. doesn't want that. He's done that enough in in um, New Orleans. Yeah, and even and even Sacramento too. Yeah, Sacramento. for being stuck stuck there for a while. So, but I think the biggest move to watch out for. Rival teams are, are reporting that they're expecting Lou Williams to not be wearing a Clippers jersey next year, which is really interesting for how long he's wow. been in there. So that's a really big rumor that's going around. Apparently, he's kind of, I mean, obviously, you put like Giannis and AD because those guys haven't technically signed yet as the biggest free agents on the market still. But Lou Williams is a guy that, I mean, he's kind of a, I don't want to say like a coach's dream, but when a guy's willing to go off the bench for you to let guys go in front, and then you he comes off the bench scoring 20-plus points, that's and a then, guy you dream to have on your bench, and especially yeah, and how much he brings trade him away. to the Clippers. Yeah. Well, technically, I it just I, seems like there's no like loyalty really in the NBA, to be honest. just like It's fading a little bit. Yeah, organizations just don't value those guys who make the team good, like Lou Williams, who are, I mean, the, the only one who I think is really valued is like Alex Caruso. On the Lakers, who's like he comes off the bench, does his job. He's rewarded by you know LeBron, basically just the Caruso. Yeah, just how he's actually. I think he's the only player who just comes off the bench that like is actually like the team wants him there because Lou Williams. If the if LA really valued him, they'd give him a good contract. They want him to stay and kind of stay that role because, like you said, he was the one, he basically was just like you know yeah bring these guys in and I'll take the hit of minutes and I'll still try to perform for you guys and he's been doing that and if they don't keep him and if they don't reward him for kind of his selflessness in that air in that kind of area then I mean you you just gotta think like it's just this this happens all over the NBA at that point yeah I mean he's played through the last three years as a clipper and I mean he has been on a lot of teams before that notably the 76ers a lot saw a lot of those on Twitter about um they should bring him back and I mean Seventy Sixers want everything they can get because they've just been, they've they've not reached expectations over the last couple of years. But no, the, I mean, the reality the process is, is nowhere near complete. Yeah, the reality is Lou Williams has bounced around. I mean, he's thirty four years old. Are the are the Clippers looking now? Because obviously, with the move now with Luke Kennard going there, is that going to be kind of his role now? So I think that's kind of a, a main reason is they see Lou Williams as an asset that they can use, and they want to build the young group with Kennard and those guys especially when when the time comes that Kawhi or Paul George either retire or go take their talents to another team so Mm -hmm. I mean and Paul George has been even still in trade room he's in trade rumors every year I mean there's talks he was going to Houston like there and I mean Houston always seems like they bring the noise when it comes to trade and free agency but definitely excited for the upcoming season as far as the Pistons are concerned I mean, I'm really excited with the moves that we've made, Joe. I know you are as well. I think I, I respect Troy Weaver because he he did the things a lot of people would not be able to have the guts to do. He he, he pretty much gutted the roster and said, we're going to start over. You guys want to rebuild? All right, this is what we, we need to do, A, B, and C. And everyone bought in, and this is what we have. I mean, Dwayne Casey's now got a team that has a lot of upstart talent. I mean, we have Killian Hayes and Sekou. Uh, I, I, I was going to say the French fries, but that doesn't the seem French very fries. good. But, uh, <laughs> the, two, the two French yeah, maybe, guys, of course. Yeah, maybe not so. the best kind of now, duo name, yeah, I think. Yeah, I don't know why. I mean, French fries aren't even French. I don't even know. Just forget I said that. Um, forget but, about it. Yeah. Edit it in post. Yeah. Set, I mean, Sadiq Bey is well in the draft along with Isaiah Stewart. Isaiah Stewart is a really interesting name to watch out for because he has been rumored 
to be working with um, the Pistons literally the two days after the draft. I mean, he's committed, ready to go. He's got Ben Wallace comparisons. Like the dude, it seems like he's fitting in really well. I'm really excited to hear that because kind of interested to see why we really drafted him. But um, I mean, we got Delon Wright, Zaheer Smith to bring depth. I mean, Josh Jackson as well. He's technically not signed yet, but I'm I'm pretty confident that he, he will sign by the end of the year. Um, Jer- our Jeremy Grant was probably the biggest move we made in free agency, signing him for a three year, sixty million from Denver. Big and that is a big. I'm. I mean, we stress enough. The big note is is Denver offered him the same thing. He wants to come here and be a part of this team, and he wants to be a major impact. So really excited what that brings. I mean, obviously we got Blake, got Derek Rose, we got Svi, got a lot of talent. I mean, Sabin Lee as well. Um, it's looking upward. I mean, we got some other guys. I mean, kind of scares me that Plumlee's not signed yet. I don't know what that means entail. I don't know. I'm really hoping he does because, I mean, we we need a veteran big man. We, we just do. I mean, Isaiah Stewart, give him all the credit in the world. But, I mean, in the case that his first season doesn't go according to plan or he still needs time to mentor, we need somebody in there yeah, to fill that spot. Somebody, and especially kind of in practice, too, just to kind of challenge those young – challenge the young guys to basically just get ready for the NBA. Because I think Plumlee – would do a really good job with that with Stewart just to be like, all right, this is what you're going to expect from guys if we play, I mean, in Milwaukee, if we play against like Brooke Lopez, is it Robin? No, Brooke Lopez or something like that who's going to be physical with you. You just got to figure out like, all right, this is what you're going to face and just get ready for it. And just like to kind of help him build that mentality would be really good. And I think if we don't sign Plumlee, we're going to have a pretty big struggle with Stewart, especially for his first couple of years kind of getting used to it. I don't think we're going to see the um, pro- productivity or kind of what we expected out of him for the first couple of years, especially if we don't have someone who can kind of teach him what he's got to expect, especially with physical big men um, down low. So yeah, for sure, uh, it's going to be really exciting. I'm, I know, I know it's kind of looking weird, but I mean, yeah, we had five centers at one point. Yeah, I get it. I was confused too, but now I understand what, are we, what... Nuggets. What? So what are we the Nuggets? Yeah, I'm or the this the Knicks. <laughs> Yeah, dude, what are the Knicks doing? Big also, man. that's we should just have know. an episode talking about how we could change the Knicks. That's for what we should talk about. You can, but. you could put, you could just have the Knicks like GM just be like the random number generator and just put in like random things and just be like, all right, this is what we're doing, and you'll probably have more success than what they're doing <laughs> right now. So it, it's it's really weird, but um, it'll be interesting. I'm really excited to see what Detroit can bring because I think this. I mean, my looking playoffs this year, no. Am I no. gonna hold a lot of expectations? No, probably not even next but, year. Probably not even next year either. But yeah, if but playoffs, I mean, playoffs are in the future. They they're on the horizon. At yeah, this point. I think people just need to realize, like with the next coming years, if we don't succeed, we have guys that we already have in mind to, as far as drafting is concerned. And I mean, the reality is, it's sad to say, but a lot of these moves might not work out. I mean, it's just like I mean, Musa, for example, for the Nets. I don't really see where his role is going to be in yet as far as like going to have immediate minutes like second or second string or anything like that. I think he's farther back, but that that might be different. I I honestly have no idea, so we'll we'll have to see. And I mean there there's some more guys that haven't signed yet. I mean, obviously talk about Plumlee. So, they're still getting their deals made. Trades are getting finalized going through over the minutes, so it'll be interesting. But moving on now, we got some college football to dis- discuss, and we will talk about Michigan today as strong as we want to talk about it. But first, Notre Dame over North Carolina. I will say I was I was hesitant, but Notre Dame's got me convinced they're a good football team. They took mm-hmm. it over in the second half. They did what they needed to do. 
Ian Book's been pretty well. Um, Kyron Williams has really been great. I mean, he had 124 yards, two touchdowns over over the weekend. So that was really good to see for Notre Dame. I mean, they they've kind of been. I I'm I'm nervous because we've seen this narrative before. A couple years ago, when they came in at four, and then got absolutely clomped by Clemson. So I am nervous because we've seen this before. But I will say that this team does look a little bit better. But I'm not totally convinced to give them the college football playoff trophy yet. Notre Dame? Yeah. I think Alabama and Clemson still are above them. Especially when they did play Clemson, they only... They only beat them by seven without Trevor Lawrence. Mm-hmm. So I think right now they just got to be like, just enjoy where they're at because I don't think in the playoffs they're going to go too far because if they if they, if Clemson did have Trevor Lawrence, it would have been a way different story because they probably would have lost by a touchdown or two because Trevor Lawrence is just that good. And I don't think Ian Book, although he is like an extremely good passer, his running game is not the same. So sure. as long as he doesn't build... If he doesn't build his running game as much as he can for these next couple of games and kind of try to develop that, I don't think that they're going to have a chance in, especially in the playoffs at all. They, they'll probably make it, especially since they're number two right now. And I don't think they're, uh, let me check their schedule. I don't think they play anyone too tough for the rest of the year. Uh, yeah. Notre, or Syracuse and Wake Forest for the next two games. Yeah, I don't, I don't see so it. it's not even going to be really be competition for them. Upset. It's just a coast. It's basically just they're coasting at this point. So when it comes to the playoffs, I mean, they I just they just don't have what it takes, especially to make it out of the first round of the playoffs. Because, I mean, Ian Book, as good as he is, he's not. I don't think he's a guy who can take over. Yeah, I I don't. I think he. What Notre Dame does really well is being able to fundamentally beat you. That they have. They do everything right. Yeah, That's they do everything right and a little bit better than you do. I mean, you look at this game. I mean, they're tied with North Carolina at halftime. That's just the reality. They they were tied up with them. Mm-hmm. And then second half, they were stronger. They were faster. They were funneling more sound. They came out made less firing. mistakes than North Carolina did, and they won the football game. That's how they've been so successful. Yeah, they came out firing. I mean, when you look at it, like just every every single spot they beat, I mean, total yards, they beat them by like 150. Passing yards, beat them by like 70. Rushing yards, beat them out. Yards per play, they average more. So when you come down to that, and especially the efficiency that they had on third down, I mean, they didn't have super great, but four for 11, 25 first downs in the whole game. Once you have that, and especially for UNC only having 14, if you get dominated that hard, it's going to be tough to come back for it, especially since you're not going to have as many opportunities. And if Notre Dame just keeps marching down the field every every drive that they have, you're going to have a rough go of it. And I think North Carolina, they held their own in the first half, but Notre Dame, they came out firing. And I think that's what they've just been able to do really well is just be a second-half team so far this year mm-hmm. and not let the halftime kind of slow them down at all. And if they, if Notre Dame, I think that's what's going to bode well for them in the playoffs, uh, because they can probably just come back for and use their experience so far. But like I said, if they, they just not, they just don't do it for me for the playoffs yet. Yeah, I'm not. They're a good football team. I'm, I'm not. I have, I think Clemson and Alabama are better. That's just my opinion. When I watch them, I see some flaws, and every team has flaws. Alabama has flaws. It's true. I mean, they they came and get some of their guys on the field with COVID. That that's a problem. So I mean, Saban didn't even coach over the weekend. Yeah, they still got the W over Auburn. I mean, but Auburn just didn't get off the bus. I don't know what that problem was. But an, <laughs> Auburn an, didn't get off. The yeah, bus. I mean, another game that is notable for us Michigan fans, Joe, and I know that there. I'm sure if you've checked social media, 
to all the listeners out there, you know a name that's been floating around in the Michigan world as far that is related to Iowa State, and that is Matt Campbell. And his team beat Texas in a comeback victory 23-20 on Saturday. That was a big win for Iowa State. They were losing this game. It was looking like Texas was back again. Matthew McConaughey's on the stage shouting the chances always, hook them horns, but hey, Matt Campbell spoiled that, and I absolutely love it. I think Iowa State's a good football team. I think they are proving themselves right now. I mean, their defense isn't as they're, – they're not as great, but, I mean, their offense their offense helped out, and especially later in the game, mm-hmm. their defense found it. They stopped them to zero points in fourth quarter. Iowa State scores 10. They come back and pull seven-point victory in the fourth quarter. So it, it's really – so, whoa, three-point victory. Seven points <laughs> on – yeah, anyway – yeah, it's been a long day. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, it's it's really exciting for Iowa State, and I know a lot a lot of the rumors have surfaced around about is now Michigan going to be fully looking for a new head coach after that loss to Penn State. That was disgusting. Probably it was it was disgusting, and I know we. I mean, when you look at it, it had every it had every single like Penn State. People would definitely bet on Penn State because it was due to happen. This team, regardless of how well they've played this year, how or I should say how bad they've played this year, regardless of that, they are they're still a great program. I mean, they've lost literally every pretty much every running back on their roster going into the season. They lost a lot of guys. That they they weren't gonna be on they weren't gonna be defeated in the season. I think that this was a prime game. As sad as enough to say it was a prime game to 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 make some noise and they really had nothing to lose going to the big house. Finally, have a, a good chance to beat a depleted Michigan team for their first win, and they they flat out played better than us, and and they outcoached us, they outplayed us. I don't really know, really know what to say anymore. It's kind of sad. I mean, obviously McNamara got hurt. I think that was a big reason why. I mean, you just have you just have to look at the statistics to know like McNamara wasn't his wasn't himself. You didn't have to watch the game. I mean, we obviously did, but. We know McNamara didn't play well, but you didn't have to watch the game and look at his stats. Yeah, McNamara wasn't himself. You could tell he was still hurt, but I mean, he still he still did more than Milton did. And yeah, I know Milton was Milton is such a disappointment. I Just mean, it's sad for how much because start of the season we were like, okay, it's new Cam Newton because he's got that skill set. He can throw the ball a country mile, but then it's just like, oh, first game doesn't have the touch for the long ball. So that basically takes out basically every chance that we can have for a long ball, for a long throw, for just a big for a big gain and kind of get some electric on our sidelines. Then you go into basically the next like four games and he's just garbo, just absolute garbage. And then Kate McNamara comes in, plays a little bit better. I mean, we beat who do we play last weekend? Last weekend. Rutgers? Rutgers. We beat Rutgers by the hair on yeah. our chin. Barely. And now we come into Penn State against an 0-5 depleted Penn State team who we should beat. The score should be flipped or we should have beat them by more. And then we just come in and just play like garbage. And our defense just can't do anything because for some reason, just when it comes to games, Don Brown's just mind goes somewhere else because he can't. Don, if Don Brown doesn't have talent, he can't get those guys to do what he wants because he. I feel like Don Brown relies too much on having guys who know what they're doing and can play well already and him just kind of giving them pointers and just be like, all right, do this, and then I know you're going to do it well. But our corners and our defense doesn't really know how to do anything well at this point, 
And I feel like Donald Brown is just getting flustered and at the point where he's like, I don't know what to do because these guys just don't understand what I want from this team. And he has to figure out how to coach these guys to be able to do something. But now I'm trying not to get angry because I don't want to start out my week angry. <laughs> but to start to find out how to coach these guys into a point where they are successful and where they can be productive, I don't think he can do that unless he has talent on the team, which right now he doesn't have any talent on the defensive side. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. You kind of stole my point there. Stop looking at my notes. No, I'm just kidding. Not um, um, I, I agree. I mean, I think Don Brown, with the guys that he had two years ago and even three years ago, he had guys that fit his scheme perfectly. Because they were had talent and they knew the game of football. Yeah. I mean, with the young group we have now on defense, I mean, yeah, we have Kemp and we have Quiddy Pay. I mean, but our secondary is basically brand new. I mean, Daxton Hill has some upside. He's kind of been, eh, not lived up to the five-star expectations we were all expecting, but it is what it is. But, I mean, we have talent on the field it's just we can't seem to put together the perfect game plan to ever stop a, a team, whether it's running no. or passing. I don't I don't know why that really is. Yeah. And I mean I mean, get say what you want. That we, we didn't score in the second quarter. They scored ten points. That's the difference in the game. I understand that. But in reality is you know Cade isn't himself. You know he's hurt. You have to have something as a defense that fires you up that says, Hey, we need to take this team and we need to put them in a position to win this football game defensively. And I mean, get, like for example, yesterday with the, the Rams game, they played terrible offensively and they, they snick out a touchdown and then Aaron Donald strip sacks them for now they're back in the game. Those are the type of things that we need on this team. And mm-hmm. we've never really had that. I mean, we didn't, we haven't gotten takeaways. We haven't got, Big plays defensively. We've had some ever penalties. Since, ever since the first game against Minnesota, that's like the only team our defense actually looked like they were coming to show exactly. up. Because that was the only game where we had a pass ru- a consistent pass rush, a consistent run defense that could plug up the middle and force them to go outside. And that's when our corners were actually doing something good and our safeties were actually doing something good because then they'd be able to meet them on the outside and meet them at the line of scrimmage so that way they actually lose yards or just keep them at the same spot. And then that brings the offense into a really good field position and take the stress off Joe Milton and the offense to basically be like all right we don't have super far to go and our defense is playing well so even if we don't convert on this fourth down third down situation and we have to punt our defense is going to take care of the job I mean look at it we got the free we got the what was it the the strip or the interception that from the big man that led to a touchdown and we've we're basically pressuring Minnesota's quarterback the whole game and was making it so they on his toes made terrible decisions at quarterback and that's what was making it happen mm-hmm. as long as we do that we're going to be fine but when we come up to Penn State and play like absolute just hot dog poop or just absolute garbage we're not going to be able to do anything for the next year because our recruits are going to be like well I don't want to play for this team because they're just playing like they're just not playing characteristically. We haven't had a good defense since like Chase Winovich was our linebacker and Jabril Peppers was our safety and was able to just play wherever he wanted on the field because he was just that athletic and that good. And we actually had players who knew what they were doing on the defensive side. Now we just have we just have nobody that can <laughs> actually just like take over the game and tell our defense what to do. And I don't think our players have any type of leadership on the field to basically say, all right, I mean coach gave us this thing gave us this uh kind of formation to do but just watch out for this and we i don't think we have any leadership on the field that kind of 
makes it so that even though we are down, a guy can pick everybody back up and kind of get them back in the game plan, game plan. And I don't think we have that this year. And I think that's one of the main things that's just been the big difference is that we don't have players who are as good as last year. We don't have leaders who are as good as last year. We don't have our mental game isn't as good as last year and our coaching staff isn't as good as years prior. Yeah, I mean, Don Brown, the the thing is, is a lot he of He is peop- one of the best. He is one of the best defensive, he's a, but he's not good without talent. Yeah, he. it's just really hard to see. I mean, you look at the last three years, this is really his first bad, bad year. And don't don't come at me and say about the big games is that's that's all. I don't think that's really a, the big games is a problem. But I mean, statistically, we did good against teams we were supposed to beat. We didn't beat teams that were in big games. We've still I mean, Mel Tucker has more underdog wins in his first season overall, including one against us. That's a problem. I mean. The hard thing is for me is like, what is it going to take to get a team that can consistently compete to a possibility? Or because I mean, we've played Ohio State tough. I mean, yeah, JT was short, but the fact is, is since then, there's an, I've never I've never had a Mich- I've never had a Michigan team in my mind that I was comfortable going into the horseshoe and we were going to beat the Buckeyes. I've never felt that. I no. al- the one ge- the one year I did was the JT was short. That was the only year I actually felt confident in this team going in to win, and we almost did. And we frankly should have did. Not gonna say anything about that though. Well, I it's, guess I already did. We just, should have won that game. I don't care. JT was short. I'm buying a T-shirt. The Har- but- Harbaugh too. I mean, you gotta look at his future with it. You could just say like, oh, it's Corona, just a like, just a crazy season going on right now. He's not like just don't. Fire him yet. Wait till next year, halfway through, just to see if he's going to be able to turn around with kind of like this recruiting class that he's bringing or whatever. But you got to realize we have should have beat Penn State every year that, or not Penn State, Michigan State every year that he's been here. Have not. We lost this year to a a Michigan State team who we shouldn't have lost to. We lost. Had turned it over 10 we times. We lost when Jalen Watts Jackson had that ridiculous run. When our, I mean, you can say that it was up because of our punter, like, messed it up and stuff like that. But still, we shouldn't have been in a position to have them be able to make a big play to win the game in the last second. We should have been up by at least a touchdown or two or maybe, or just two scores at least. We have not been able to beat Ohio State, which when Harbaugh was brought in, everyone was saying, okay, this is going to be the time where Michigan finally like takes the cake against Ohio State and we actually start to play well. Have not seen that. We have not been able to play well in rivalry games. We have not been able to play well in big games. Haven't won a bowl game. I don't or maybe did we win a bowl game? Because we lost to Alabama in the Cotton Bowl we or something like Alabama, that. We lost to Alabama. We lost to Florida. We lost to. I mean, the only games I we only won like the Outback Bowl. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's so. in. I mean, kiss our hope. I don't even think bowl games are happening this year. But even so, we wouldn't even be close to having a chance at one. Yeah. Even now, even now that there's like 40 bowl games or something like that, we still wouldn't even be able to get in one. Yeah. It's. It's just a situation where you have to look at Harbaugh, too, to say, you came in with all these expectations. Why aren't you delivering? Why aren't you at the point where the promises that you made were, hey, I'm going to have this happen. We're going to basically flip the script. We're going to be able to beat Ohio State. We're going to be able to beat Penn State on the re- regularly. We're going to basically be the best team in Michigan. Michigan State's not even going to be a factor in Big Ten football for the next couple of years. But, I mean, now it's just like, okay, well, 
you're fired. What do we do now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I mean, we asked you guys on Twitter what you, you think you think we should do with Jim Harbaugh, and over 70% of the responses is, yes, clean the whole house, saying we need to start from mm-hmm. scratch with everybody. So, I mean, if that's what it takes, I'm all for it yeah, at this do point. It. I that's- mean... It, it's it's sad for me. I mean, I'll be honest. I I really liked what Don Brown did. I mean, he he's been once t- he gets talent, he's one of the he's the best defensive coach in yes. the, in college football. Mm-hmm. But right now, he doesn't have talent. So yeah. it's like, what are you gonna do? And I think we need a if, we need a builder. We don't we don't need a a facilitator. We need a builder. And I think yeah. that's where who can Matt who, Campbell comes into mm-hmm. play big time. And a guy who Don Brown, if he can't basically show these guys and as long we need a defensive coordinator with Matt Campbell who can come in and be like, all right, here's how you play defense. It doesn't matter if you're the best in the country or if you're just like a two-star recruit that's coming in on a walk-on. I'm going to teach you to be uh, the best college football defense team in the whole nation. And I mean, as long as we have, if we don't have that, it's not even going to be a chance because I'd rather I'd rather have a guy who can work with anybody and turn them into great rather than a guy who comes in with all the keys and then he's able to do something because even I could do that. I could be like, "Oh, I have the best recruiting class for the defense for defensive and football in college." Yeah, I can basically be one of the best defensive coordinators. And I think as long as we have that, then there's no shot of us being a contender. Yeah. I it's really hard, and I mean, we bring up Matt Campbell right now. He's probably the top candidate that not only fans want, but it seems like a lot of of. I it's it's really a lot of who the fans want. It really seems like a lot of people are advocating for him because he's done good stuff. I mean, the fact is, is prior to 2016, Iowa State was one of the worst teams in football, and now he's led the team to 30. Or I mean. It it was it was crazy because I mean yeah his record doesn't look that good but the first two years was all was building and now look what they've done they're they're literally going to yeah. be a top ten team in the nation and going into a Big Twelve championship this year that's something that we've been waiting for for a long time it seems like I'm not saying like we need to rebuild or anything but we need a guy that can take us into those big games like Texas regardless how much our backs are against the wall and still come out on top we've never had that. It seems like we've had a lot of times where we've played big games, come up short and fold over. I mean, Penn State, yeah, we we squeaked a couple out, but it, it's just hard. So, mm-hmm. I mean, other names like Bob Stoops, he did a he did a great job with Baker at Oklahoma. Oklahoma mm-hmm. teams kind of scare me though because their defense hasn't been great. I mean, that's why they've a lot of people are advocating for Lincoln Riley for the Detroit Lions position, and I'm not for that because the defense that was displayed from that team is not something that I'm looking forward to. Especially the fact is. We need help on defense, not <laughs> offense. So, uh, yeah, you can do the math. That's that, that. That to me doesn't seem like a great fit yet. But no, I mean other names like Kyle Whittingham, kind of a guy going under the radar. So, I mean, he, ironically, he was the guy because replaced Urban Meyer back in 2005 at Utah. Before he ended up making the transition to Florida, before making the transition to Ohio State. So that's kind of a name that's been under the radar. I mean. He's been great with Utah. I mean, he's got a 123 and 62 record. It's about 66% win percentage. Pretty solid. He's 11 and 2 in bowl games. He wins big games. He does. There you go. He does. So, he gets the job done. So, and then 
I can't believe they put Urban Meyer on here. There is no way in absolute heck that well, they're going ta- to hire Urban Meyer. I was talking with that some of my buddies. Like, they're going to have to offer if, him $100 million. They're going to have to offer him a ridiculous... He's going to have to get the whole bag if he, if they want him to come to Michigan. Because he's not going to come to Michigan, especially being the so, ties be- are too so beloved uh, at the horseshoe in Ohio State. I yeah. don't think it's going to happen. And Luke but. Fickle as well, who was, who was a kind of a key mm-hmm. piece for Cincinnati. Yeah. Is that is that blood too? There's a lot too of thick too to come over. I don't know, that, dude. That, any, any place in Ohio, that I mean, hatred, it's vice versa. Michigan hates Ohio. Ohio hates Michigan. It's a that little hatred bit of both, can so. run really deep. I mean, yeah. really you, deep. You're so. talking a lot of money for them to come over if they want to just forget about all the kind of like the deeper hatred that each each of our states have for each other. But Brandon, one thing that we can kind of flip the script so we don't get mad about is Sarah Fuller from uh, Vanderbilt. That is right, Became yes. the first woman ever to play in a college football game. Uh, she made history. That's really cool to see, kind of breaking barriers, stuff like that. She was a kicker, uh, had a squib kick. Um, I think it was second, start of the second half. Yep, am I correct? started second half. Um, kind of sucks that Vanderbilt can't get down the field so she could try a field goal. Uh, <laughs> you can kind of look at the defense, uh, yeah, or at the offense, kind of look at them for why. Yeah, look that at, wasn't look able at the happen, score but, and, and realize, yeah, the, yeah. The, that kickoff was from the coin toss. Yeah, because yeah. they scored zero points. I was, <laughs> I was pretty... Uh, the one thing about it is I don't know why they had her squib kick it, especially since, I mean, you're down 25 at that point. Why give them better field position? Just yeah. let her boot it as hard as she can and yeah. see what she can do. I know do. they're trying to win the football game, and we get that, but it's kind of like, eh, we kind of want to see. We, we want to see, we see, we see what she's got. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. it's fantastic. I absolutely love the idea of um bringing somebody in that can help the team regardless of um, I mean, she was a soccer player, really successful soccer player. Yeah. They just won the SEC championship. I yeah. mean, she like she's a very more very SEC good kicker. More SEC championships than the football team is probably gonna have. So, oof. <laughs> the one <laughs> thing, rough. the one thing I will say about it, her kicks were coming out a little bit low, uh, even in kind of the squib kick and the and her practice kicks too. And I think that's more kind of to look at how sh- you kick a soccer ball. Yeah, She's that's, probably used that's to a that natural thing. Because you got to kick down on a soccer ball, and it kind of the physics of that kind of makes it so that the soccer ball goes. And I think that's just maybe out of habit. She only, what, four or five days to practice. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you can try to break that habit as long as you can. But, I mean, she's, what, 21 years old, and she's been probably playing soccer for 20 years of that or mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. So that, that I think that's a natural – I think that's a really natural thing, especially with soccer players mm-hmm. making the transition, is they have the driving ability, the lifting yeah, ability. Their legs the are – their leg, That needs to happen. Yeah, their legs are – their leg strength is – unquestionably there with kickers in the in college football but it's mainly just a technique and kind of the what you have to do to kind of, and just like the difference of kicking a football you got to kick on the bottom side kick up rather than with a soccer ball you got to kind of kick out the middle slash top and kind of drive it into the ground first so that way it shoots up so yeah but nonetheless super cool to see absolutely uh, i'm yeah. gonna be interested for to see. sure i don't know if she's is she gonna be able to play or is she playing starting next or this weekend because uh, I think it was their kicker, their starting kicker had COVID. That's yeah, why. Yeah, I'm not sure. We'll we'll have to see. But I mean, regardless, she got on the field. She proved that women can do anything, and it it is really cool to see. I mean, regardless of um any if anybody's stance about if females should be in the NFL or whatever, whatever your stance is, just the fact that Vanderbilt did this, made this move. Is cool because that's showing that they're willing to do what it takes to win football yeah. games. So you can look at it that way in a football perspective. But really, super cool. I absolutely loved it. It's kind of it brings to light a cool part of Vanderbilt football, especially when you're zero and eight. So 
it'll it'll i mean i hope she really does well i really do because i think there's a lot of doors that could open i mean carly lloyd we talked yeah like she was she, hitting like 40 yard field yeah, goals or something like that she's literally thinking of training to go into the nfl so that door could be wide open and look how many more doors will open with that mm-hmm. so that'll be something that i'm sure everybody will keeping watch on as we wind up the show don't forget to follow us on the mbsp on twitter at the mbsp joe once again, good day in the office, my friend. Always is. Always is, Brandon. For sure. Check us out on Wednesday. We got a super special yeah, interview. Hopefully, hopefully, we got a cool guest coming on. Yeah, you guys just might have to. Might have to tune in. Yeah, might Who just knows? have to. So. We'll see you guys later. See you guys. Take care, everybody.